1: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au.
2: T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. 903 here on SENZ uh, and a very busy morning we have in store for you. First of all, we start with basketball. Uh, New Zealand CEO Dylan Boucher just on the job for three or four days. We'll, We'll see how he's settling in and the challenges ahead. John Wright, after 9.30, his uh, take on uh, the passing of of Fred Goodall, but also uh, he's very well-placed to talk about uh, the T20 World Cup with his vast IPL experience. Uh, And, of course, the possibility of Rahul Dravid, one of his old mates, becoming the new Indian cricket coach. Uh, Rick Salizo, just after 10 o'clock. Well, Rick's the CEO of Rugby United in New York, so uh, we'll catch up with uh, him in terms of how it's going. What's it like running a a franchise over there? Also, of course, uh, the pending game, between the All Blacks and the USA Eagles coming up. Ollie Ritchie and Hugh Bainon will be on the panel. A couple of good basketball questions I've got for Hugh Bainon uh, around 10.20. And then after 11 o'clock, hoping to get some uh, someone on about uh, the football ferns and uh, where they're at, and New Zealand football in particular. So uh, that's basically it for the show. We've got a harness racing tip and our big inter-show gamble for the week as well. So busy, busy as.
0: Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's
1: sermon.
3: Well, it used to be that the all-black captaincy was the most prestigious job in sport in New Zealand. The announcement was full of fanfare. I well remember being sent to Christchurch by Sky to cover the announcement of one Richie McCaw as the nation's new leader. All and sundry were there, including the late, great BJ Lahore, expounding the characteristics and qualities of he who would become a great king. And they were so right. But it seems gone of those days of the Wintereys, the Meads, Lahores, Murrays, McCaws and Reeds. The out-and-out out numero unos. The position was undoubted. First picked, never up for discussion. Of late, it seems, from test to test, the names go back into the hat. Who's not injured? Who's on tour? Who's at home? Okay, let's pick one. Call me old-fashioned. But it's losing its gloss. So it's now Sam Whitelock, one of the four named this year, to take over from Ardi, who took over from Aaron. Who took over from Sam, who took over from the other Sam? That's until Christmas, which now seems a very long reign. Surely it's time for Fozzie to say to Whitelock, It's you and me, mate, through to France 2023, and let us all know. On and off the field, we will all know who's calling the shots because, let's be fair, it has been questioned. Whitelock is a given in the side. He's an 80 minute man, he's a follow me man, he should be our man. Take a lead from the Black Caps, and Kane, we trust. That's Williamson. And on that subject, what the hell is wrong with his damned elbow? It's fast becoming the most infamous joint in the land. So much doubt. So much doubt. Too much doubt. But one thing is for sure, I didn't win 42 million last night, and that's why I wrote this. And you didn't either, because you're listening to this. So let's just plough on another day in the trenches. Rumour has it though, Pocono really did bring home the bacon. 9.06 here on SENZ, fantastic time for basketball lovers around the world. Of course, the NBA kicked off yesterday, tipped off, I should say, and uh, Stephen Adams uh, is in action later today, around 1pm, in fact, uh, for his new franchise, the Memphis Grizzlies, as they take on the Cleveland Cavaliers. But uh, in New Zealand, it's also an exciting time, and particularly for Tall Black's great Dylan Boucher, who's just started his new role, of Basketball New Zealand's CEO, and he's been kind enough to join us this morning. Good morning to you, Dylan. You started the job on Monday. How are the first few days gone?
4: Good morning, Spiney. Um Yeah, no, it's been great. Follow uh, on, but great. Now, I'm excited um, about the opportunity and excited for the role. Uh, excited for the sport, and you know, I think the sport's in a really uh, great position and, and certainly looking forward to taking over from the great work that uh, Ian Potter's already done in his leadership role there.
3: Okay, so what are your early priorities as as you get underway?
4: Yeah, I mean I guess the the first thing is is doing a lot of listening uh, a lot of listening of, of what's going on out there in the in the basketball community, um, you know getting around, being able to speak to uh, all of the stakeholders in the game um, we've obviously got a really important strengthen and adapt program that has been launched and certainly want to be supporting that as much as I can and and then obviously just just doing a lot of learning and and finding out the areas that I really can uh, make an impact. But I guess the thing, um, you know, when when I took the role was that I really want to grow this game. I'm I'm super passionate about it. I've been involved in it my whole life. Uh, I really want to see our sport become a a major sport in this country and, and really want to, you know, really want to help the growth of the game. I really feel like basketball is probably the most inclusive game Of all sport in New Zealand. So, really wanting to uh, really hone in on that. And, you know, with the ever changing dynamic of New Zealand, I feel like we are positioned really well to be able to do that.
3: You've had a great history in the sport, Dylan, Um, you know, since uh, you finished that wonderful career. Uh, You've worked uh, also as a commercial manager and then the general manager for the Breakers. So, uh, that has probably stood you in pretty good stead, but this is a, a, a bigger role nationwide.
4: Yeah, certainly a bigger role and bigger responsibility, you know, to be able to, I guess, be at the helm of um, controlling the sport is a a big change. And, um, you know, I think, you know, with the skills that I've been able to learn along the way from playing and administering the game, I really feel they're going to help me in this role to be able to uh, be able to engage well in the community, but also be at those high level discussions, both at um, stakeholder level and commercial level as well.
3: Yeah, look, you mentioned before that you want to see the sport grow. Uh, but it's uh, you know, if you look at uh, youth and sport across the board, uh, basketball appears to be one of the healthier ones. Uh, you know, numbers are drifting away in in the core sports of the past, like rugby and cricket, the traditional ones. But it seems uh, you know that basketball is quite strong in that area.
4: Yeah, very strong. The numbers have been great, and and year on year, there's constant growth. And you know, one of the things I certainly don't want to see is that plateau. I want to see that continued growth and. You know, we're getting to the point, Smithy, where we're we're actually running out of courts, and so that's a big focus of ours as well is to be able to put hoops up in every community and and be able to just have no excuse for anyone to not that wants to shoot a basket that there's not a hoop in their backyard or somewhere in their community. So um, that's a that's a really big plan is to continue the growth of the, the hoops and schools, hoops and parks, hoops and churches, hoops hoops in marais. Uh, but also grow um, the stadiums that we 've got in this country as well, because there's a, there's, with the numbers growing we 're struggling to keep up with having the amount of courts to be able to for people to be able to play the
3: game and that is important too because if you look at America, you look at street basketball, you look at three on three you look at one on one type basketball i mean it's it 's so prevalent in life over there isn 't it
4: it's the way of life over there you know these guys they they grow up what they call grow up on the street uh, and what they mean by that is they're, they're out balling every day on the and battling on the, on the on the um they call it the blacktop over there so you know we want to have the same thing here that our kids are honing their skills in the playground and and, and at school and you know, having those having that ability and so the more hoops we can get outside uh, in this country the the more that kids are going to naturally be able to do that all they need is a ball and doesn't even have to bounce so just to make
3: him still shoot it in the hoop. You look at um, general managers of basketball and, and of course Sean Mark's name comes to mind and it really does at the moment because he's got this thing going with uh, Kyrie Irving and, and uh, neither are going to lay down and Mark's is on strong ground here over not being vaccinated so um, those are the I guess the kind of issues you want to try and avoid but um, at, at times, you're going to have to look at that, and particularly that when it comes to availability for our national sides, etc. So, you know, those, those are the issues of the day, really.
4: Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's, I mean that amongst many issues. I mean, we we have these um, you know FIBA tournaments that we're you know that we try to plan for, and you know a lot of them are scheduled in the middle of the Australian NBL season. So we're constantly battling having players available um it, being you know carrying injuries from from their season and you know, there's so many um factors that go into selecting a national team now, whereas back in um hate to say it, back in my day there wasn't many disruptions. You kinda of had clear windows, whereas now the, the season pretty much goes twelve months of the year now for these athletes. So we have to, you know, obviously front of mind we have to have the, the player well being at the front of mind and that, and that still has to be the case and so we've got to really monitor our athletes to make sure we're not, you know, overworking them and, and you know, we're taking care of their bodies and, and making sure that when we do select the national team to go play in tournaments that they're, they're all healthy and then they're all you know mentally in the right frame of mind to be able to compete at the highest level so and uh, you know fortunately for me you know sean marks is a, is a good friend of mine, so being able to lean on Sean and all the experiences he's had in the NBA is going to be you know really crucial as well
3: uh, I understand also um you know we're, we're still strong and, and and sending players to the uh, American university system, and that's where a lot of our players have, have come through and progressed through to the NBA or other franchises around the world. And, of course, now, Dylan, because the breakers uh, are certainly have, at this stage, are going to be based most, mostly in Australia to begin with, most of the people you're dealing with um, are overseas-based, so getting them all together at that one time in that small window is a major issue, a bit like football, I guess.
4: Yeah, it is, and then the more... I guess the more our game grows, the more our players are going to be overseas, you know, and that's what we want. We want the the sales NBL, which is our local national domestic competition, we want that to be the stepping stone to, to go on and play in the Australian NBL or in Europe like the likes, or in Japan, like Isaac Foto's in Japan right now. So mm-hmm. the more we, you know, upskill our players, the more they're going to be all around the world. And as you mentioned, we've got, you know, we've got probably I think a hundred athletes in college right now um, that are over there, you know, really honing their skills on the game, and so they are all going to be coming back to New Zealand, and both the Tall Blacks and Tall Ferns. So, that and that's a that's a legitimate pathway, but we also need to have a really clear pathway here as well for our athletes that don't want to attend a US college and can stay here and go to a local university. And you know, those are all the challenges that we have to come. But but you're right, bringing all those people together is is actually you know it's becoming a uh, almost a full-time job for a high-performance team.
3: Okay, the goals—the immediate goals for the tall, uh, tall blacks and the tall ferns. What, uh, if you if you put it up on a whiteboard now, what what's that, what's the priority there?
4: Yeah, we. I mean, obviously, we we want to. I mean, we've got to. I guess call before we walk, but you know, we want to make sure our development plans and and junior programs are, are really fitting well into those programs. Uh, but, but in a perfect scenario, what we would want is we want success on a world stage, and what does success look like for us if we were to if we were to be a top team finish in a in a world championships or an Olympics or something like that? That would be a, a huge achievement for for both teams. And obviously, you know, back in 2002, the Tall Blacks came fourth in the world championships, which you know shocked the world, and you know it was just a really, I guess, a dream run for, for that team. When I was fortunate to be a part of it, but. There's no reason we can't get back to that. We're starting to produce these these top level athletes and and both men's and women's, and so we want to make sure we're just putting you know making sure we're, we've got everything wrapped around them to make sure that we've created a, a good pathway and a safe pathway for them to pursue on for those for those future goals. And if we can do that right, then we should have a have a talent pool to be able to choose from, and then have start having some success on the world stage.
3: How's the funding side of things in basketball these days?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's getting better, to be honest. I mean, we've got a really strong relationship with High Performance Sport New Zealand and Sport NZ. So, you know, the, the, they're a lot better than what they have previously been. And also the sport is getting more recognition commercially. So like anything, the more dollars you have, the more resource you have, um, and then the more results you can get. So for us, that's that's going to be obviously another focus of mine is being able to, you know, how do we how do we bring funding in? and how do we bring commercial dollars in the door so we've got more resource to be able to do the things we want to do that we know will return success for, for our national programs. So that's, that's the challenge, uh, but we're certainly we're on the right track right now.
3: How do we uh, get Stephen Adams in a black vest, Dylan? I mean, I think that's a question that most fringe basketball fans would love to see because uh, with him there, the fringe ones become... Uh, I think, stronger fans and those that are already devoted to the sport will be greatly satisfied. Haven't seen it. Have Have you even thought about how you can do that yet?
4: Yeah, 100%. You know, I mean, I've got a great relationship with, with Stephen and, you know, uh, I think when the time is right, we'll definitely be sitting down and having a chat about, you know, um, when is the timing right for him to be able to pull on the, the black jersey and, and for us, it's, you know, everyone in New Zealand would love to see it um, and you know, I'm sure Stephen would love to play for the Tall Blacks as well so it's just a case of um, it's timing um with his nba season and you know I think a lot of what a lot of people don't understand and uh, and is how grueling an nba season is you know 82 regular season games and how beat up your body gets in those and and being a big man it's even more so um not not making excuses for him but you know it is it is a lot to take in and and it obviously he needs to make sure he takes care of his body, which is number one, to be able to make sure he can continue performing on the best of his ability. And he started out in the preseason playing amazing this year, and we hope he has a great season. But, we'll certainly when the time's right, we'll definitely be sitting down with um, both Pedro and myself. will be sitting down with Stephen and, and having a chat and just seeing what what's possible, and you know, certainly working with him to make sure we we we're ticking all the boxes to make sure he's able to come in and. To a, uh, safe environment and that he's got all the things around him that he needs to be able to take care of his body mm. and, and be ready to play and, and be in the right frame of mind to play for the Blacks. It
3: would be great to see him there. It would be great to see uh, a full complement of our available players from around the world. Uh, Dylan, one of the uh, issues of the day in terms of administration and uh, the profile of courses is the COVID vaccination at the moment. W- what would be Basketball New Zealand's policy on that at this point? Would it be must-have, the must play?
4: Yeah, we certainly we certainly haven't made any policy um, like that at the moment, and certainly watching, keeping a close eye on what's going on globally. Um, obviously, the NBA has mm. made a, a pretty strong stand on it, but certainly on the side of the world where you know we're obviously dealing with COVID differently to, to a lot of parts of the world. So we're constantly in discussions with um, with governmental departments mm. about. You know what their recommendations are, and then when the time comes where we need to make a decision on that, because right now there's there's actually no need to make a decision on that because there's no um, tournaments right in front of us. So um, at this stage there's no uh, mandate on it, and certainly uh, certainly you know no intention to put a mandate on it when there's no need. So at this stage we're just kind of sitting watching what's going on, and then, uh, when the time comes where things do have to be done, like if there has to be international travel and things like that, then. Um, then the time will come
3: where we'll make a decision on that. Cool. Uh, Dylan, thanks very much for your time this morning. Uh, I know it's only uh, what, the fourth day of work, but um, you sound as if you're, uh, uh, you're in there, your you feet under the desk and uh, you're firmly underway. So good luck with your uh, with new role uh, and we'll stay in touch uh, and uh, let's hope uh, we can get everyone on court very shortly. Thank you. Yeah, sounds
4: great. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate your time.
3: Yeah, cheers, Dylan Boucher, there, folks. Uh, one of the great men of New Zealand basketball, one of the most decorated, successful New Zealand players on the court. Ah, uh, uh, been decorated, of course, by the country as well for his services to basketball, uh, and and of course, uh, you know, and now he's got this uh, exciting new role. And it's always nice to have a figurehead at the sport that you know and you trust. And Dylan Boucher really does fall into that category. He is a real go-to guy, and we'll be going to him. Often, I would imagine, over the next year or two when it comes to matters of basketball, a burgeoning, growing sport. Very exciting for them. 9.20 here uh, on SENZ. I've already had a text in this morning uh, saying, I don't understand your rambling about the All Black Captains. Hasn't Latham capped the Black Caps recently because Williamson was injured? No captain has been dropped. Was All Black captaincy more important than a child's birth? Will Whitelock now play five tests in a row or will he get a rest? That's uh, from Pete. Well, some interesting questions in there. I think, uh, Pete, first of all, on the cricket side of things, if you ask 10 people in this country, ask 100 who the Black Caps captain is, who would they say? Would they say Latham? No. Would they say Williamson? Yes. Uh, So Kane Williamson is undoubtedly, when available, the captain of uh, the uh, New Zealand cricket team. That is not the case at the moment with the All Blacks. It simply isn't. Um, And and no, I'm not saying um, the All Black captaincy is more important than a child's birth. Absolutely. Um, back in the days, uh, it uh, was different. Winner rays, Lahore's meets. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, uh, you know, whilst the child's birth was absolutely high in their mind, they still kept in the All Blacks. Uh, if that was the case, uh, so uh, I'm not putting that uh, as a moral issue at all. What I'm saying is, you, we we need to really have an identity who we know is the All Black captain. That was just my point. So, uh, Pete, uh, go and ask. Uh, go and ask 20 people who the, the captain of uh, the black cap says, and if uh, you don't get 20 to say Williamson, I'll go, He. it's 9.21 here on SENZ.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Text us, please, on double eight double three, and if you are successful with the best of the week, you'll win a temper pillow worth 299 bucks, and the best text of the month, which will come from the 9 to 12 show, and will be judged in uh, the last two or three days, uh, you could win $10,000 prize, $10,000 worth of temper products, including a temper Queen mattress, a temper Queen adjustable base, and two temper pillows. Now, uh, Pete's come back in and said if Sam Kane wasn't injured, he would have kept in every test. May well be the case. Pete, you're absolutely right. But he isn't injured now, and he's gone back into the side. I ask you this question. If Richie McCaw had been out for two or three or four tests, and come back into the side this weekend. Would he have been captain? You bet he would have been. Absolutely, bet he would have been captain. Um, and and that is my point. Um, so uh, Sam Kane's gone back in. He was the captain. I acknowledge Pete at the start of the year. He hasn't played any rugby. Okay, but he was the captain. We've had uh, three since, and now we're going back to one of the three again. So I, I guess my point is, and if you want to text in, should it? Is it time for White Lock to be named? Is it time for White Lock to be named? As uh, the all-black captain, if not who, uh, should we just keep it rotating and resting and rotating and resting uh, our captains until we get very very close to the 2023 World Cup? Personally, me no, uh, but it might be the way of the world these days, and in, in your particular preference, uh, Pete. Thanks very much for your texts. I uh, invite them uh, all the time from from all of you there. Uh, the other thing I guess you could say, if you won 42 million last night, you probably wouldn't be listening to the show for a start. But if you won 42 million. What would you do with it sports-wise? What would you do? Would you have a product, uh, a, a project in sport uh, which you'd either donate to, you'd like to buy, you'd like to invest in? Uh, 9.28 here on, on SENZ. John, uh, what, do you, what do you make it? What's your theory on the All Black captaincy? Would you like
2: to see one captain from here on in? I would. Definitely Smithy, um, I think they had that tough decision to make between the Sams at the time and Ian Foster went Sam Kane, uh, so that's the guy he went for without knowing that Sam was going to be injured for this entire All Black season, then uh, we've had, it's been a strange year hasn't it Smithy It's, it's like with Covid and all the kids uh, due, it's just made it uncertain um, and I know you're looking for a bit of certainty leading into the World Cup but I think Sam mm-hmm. Kane is, is that guy. I think he does demand that seven jersey. For me, uh, with Artie at eight, and the one that's up for grabs is the six. So it's just unfortunate that Sam's been injured, and I do like him as the All Blacks captain. But I know, I agree with you at the same time. Sam Whitelock, you'd know he'd be there. But what if Sam got injured next year for six months you know you're in that uh, position again. So I think it's just one of those unfortunate things uh, that we've got at the moment, uh, just with the uncertainty uh, swirling around. Just one of those years, write it off as a turbulent year, and then from next year, hopefully Sam can have a couple of seasons uninjured and he will stamp his mark on that captaincy before the World Cup in 2023 um, as for the 42 million I always had a dream when I was a kid I really wanted to own the North Sydney Bears uh, ever since they got kicked out of the NRL I wanted to buy the North Sydney Bears and bring them back into the NRL because they were always my second team and I was sad so I think 42 million would be enough would it to buy the uh, I think Redcliffe Dolphins got about 30 million so 42 could be enough to buy the North Sydney Bears and get them back in the NRL under my tutelage Smithy what would you do with 42 million in sport if you could i uh, I'll tell you
3: progressively throughout the morning, I haven't got time right now because it's news time. And uh, more importantly, it's Trudy time. 9.32 9.32 here on SENZ. My privilege, pleasure to uh, introduce John Wright, former New Zealand batsman, of course, a former New Zealand cricket coach, former cricket coach, extraordinary around the world, actually, and the perfect guy uh, to bring in on the eve of uh, New Zealand kicking off their uh, performance in the T20 World Cup, amongst uh, other issues. Uh, Righty, good morning to you. First of all, sad news about old Fred Goodall. Uh, what a character he was out in the middle. Yes, it was.
5: Um um well good morning, Smithy. Yeah, I Fred was um part of our era of cricket really. Uh um he I think he had uh, umpired twenty seven tests. Um and was part of the ages and of course, um, uh he brought a quite a strong uh attitude to umpiring but uh he was greatly uh I think we, we uh, secretly admired Fred.
3: Well, he had to put up with a bit. Um, You you were around uh, during his most turbulent times uh, in the sport. What what were your observations uh, around that time?
5: Well, I suppose it was really um, the West Indies series that everyone remembers. Um, I played a fair bit with Michael Holding uh, when I was playing with Derbyshire. and Mikey always referred to Fred as that man Goodall. And... uh, (laughs) It it really, um, we played the first test, I think, in Carisbrook. The West Indies had come off a pretty tough tour in Australia and and, uh, the New Zealand tour was always, you know, at the end of it and they were probably looking forward to getting home and um, it was a tough series and uh, they bowled at such a velocity that I think um, not only the batsmen, but the umpires uh, struggled to keep up with them Um, and... um, We had that incident uh, chasing a very small total at Carrisbrook where um, Mikey, Michael Holden kicked down the stumps. And then we got to Christchurch and, uh, to be fair, they didn't get the rub of the green and Fred was involved in some of that decision-making. And I think it was the last morning of the match. Um, it was petering out to be a draw and it was a cold sort of overcast day at Lancaster park. And, uh, the fourth night had finished by Colin Croft bowling two beamers at Jeremy Coney and then the next morning in the session at some stage, Croft who had a particularly long run up came, came sort, of, sort of racing in from the northern end and actually ran right into the back of Fred who was just standing in his umpire's position and knocked him uh, for six really. I mean uh, it was a Full on blow, he he went through the stumps. Bales flew everywhere. The wickets went here and there, and Fred was face down on the sort of non-strikers end. And and uh, I mean, it was when you look back on it. I mean, you'd probably go to jail nowadays. But um, if we did something like that in the cricket world, um, he sort of got up, brushed himself down put the wickets back in and the bails on um, and no one moved which was Croft just turned around and went back to his mark. Uh, Clive Lloyd, I think he was standing at the roundabout second slip, the captain, never moved and the game carried on. It it, it had sort of followed on from an incident earlier in the match where the Westernies remained in their dressing room at tea time because they were so... um, upset by some of the decisions that uh, were made. So um, Fred, through that whole sort of episode and test series, uh, showed remarkable composure and strength of character. Um, It's not easy being an umpire. Um, All those umpires in the 80s, and even today, um, I think there are paid positions, etc. But but most days they would be standing for a pittance over five days and coming under under all sorts of scrutiny and sometimes um comments that uh, I mean in those as you know, Smithy, um, the banter was used to flow a bit and um, not only did you cop it as a player uh, but sometimes as an umpire they were sometimes playing a game but he always um, he al- always held his composure he was he was almost like in his attitude or, or a stern mm. school teacher. I used to um love asking him how many balls to come. He could be standing a square leg or cover. And he would reply, There are three balls to come in a very loud and definitive voice. So um I I think that uh, you know, he's he he was part of our, our cricket um in in those days and uh he's a good New Zealander and uh sympathies go out to his family. I remember him very fondly.
3: I do too, um, and I uh, extend those sympathies as well, and uh, what I also uh, remember about uh, those umpires back then, they didn't, have, uh, they didn't have the chance to have their decisions uh, overturned or repaired from someone sitting upstairs, they had to live and die by that moment, uh, and uh, that was the, the era that they lived in, so... Um, thanks for those sentiments, Righty. Let's move on to yeah. uh, the T Twenty World Cup. Uh, you have um, uh, a vast background and knowledge of a lot of the people involved in this with, with your association uh, with the IPL. Uh, how how do you rate our chances? Uh, how do you think the balance of our side is going into this?
5: Well, I was just looking at the results. I had to talk with you, Smithy. Uh, I think um, we've got as good a chance as anyone. I mean, overnight, Afghanistan thrashed the West Indies. Uh, Afghanistan are in our group uh, we've got a, quite a tough group because we've got Pakistan, India and Afghanistan um, who will be very in Bangladesh I think uh, who are very really used to the conditions um, if they are slow um, not spin friendly but, but um, spinners may, may uh, be an important um, part of the bowling attack um, I, if I was looking at New Zealand, I think their batting looks good. Uh, in T20 cricket, to be honest, um, the most consistent part of your game is what I call the defensive side, which is actually your fielding and your bowling. Because you could, if, you, if you get that sorted, you generally know that that can be the most consistent part of your game. The batting can go up and up and down. You can have some good days and bad days. But if your bowling and your fielding is is strong, then... You're always in the game. Looking at the practice results thus far, New Zealand, um, in their first game against Australia, uh, they were defending, I think, 156 or spare about. And after 16 overs, the Aussies were 118 for six. So in the last four overs, they managed to get 40 off those four overs and lose one wicket and then win the game. And then in the Match against England, um, New Zealand. We we conceded sixty six runs off our last four overs. Um, at the end of the sixteenth, if I read the, the, the score chart correctly, I think England were one hundred and seventeen for five, and ended up getting another sixty odd runs. Now, that's a, that's something that New Zealand has to get right. They've got to when you start with your your bowling. You want to try and get a couple of wickets early because that puts the pressure on the opposition, and then take the, a few wickets through the middle. But the, the really critical part is that you can't afford your you last four. You've got to be you've got to be type because that, if they've got wickets in hand, they're going to come at you hard, and you can go for you know anywhere up 60, and that that can be the difference of the game. So I think New Zealand will be, and I know they, they've got a lot of knowledge up there. There's Stephen Fleming involved, and, and Shane Bond from our franchise at Mumbai, he's our bowling coach, Gary uh, Stead. I mean, I would imagine they'll be looking who's going to bowl those last four overs and and just looking at it from a distance, I think a name to me that pops up is Mitchell Satner. I I think he should be, I think he's a fantastic 20 over bowler. Um, He might be able to do one. Uh, Trent Bolt does one. Uh, at least for Mumbai Indians, if he's going well, he might be too. And then they've got to find the other bowler that does, the, that does two of those four, because generally, and, and to, perhaps that might be Lockie Ferguson. Um, and, and I think that's that's really the area that they'll be looking at, um, um, because if they can get that right, um, you know, they've got a big chance. Well, every every team's got a chance because I. The beauty about T20 cricket, if you love your cricket, watch it, because there's going to be some upsets, and it's going to be a really interesting competition.
3: Righty, the the other thing I'd I'd really like to talk to you about is is a job you were very, very close to. Um, You were the first non-Indian to coach the Indian national team, Uh, uh, and uh, you had a great run, Uh, I think close to five and a half years, which is absolutely um, amazing when you consider the volatility around uh, the job, the job and the expectations. Then, of course, Greg Chappell took over for you from you and lasted about uh, the length of time it is to make a cup of tea these days. And uh, and all of a sudden, Ravi Shastri's had quite a nice reign, but uh, that's come to an end. Uh, the name mooted uh, is Rahul Dravid. Now, I don't know anyone in this country who knows Rahul Dravid better than you. Uh, would he be a good Indian coach in your mind?
5: Oh well, yes. Um. I mean, Raul, I was very fortunate to have five or six senior players at that time in the Indian cricket team, Anil Congres, Sachin Tendulkar, uh, Ganguly, um and Raul Dravid was the vice-captain. And he was a very calming influence for our team. He's highly intelligent. He's had a, a good background in that he's taken the A team and the under-19 team. For the last few years, um, he's very patriotic. He's a proud Indian. He, of course, he was a, a wonderful player, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it translates into being a great coach. But I mean, Rail's done his time, and coaching's a bit like captaincy. The more you do, uh, you know, you, you learn from your mistakes. It's, it's something that you hopefully, with experience, you just become a little wiser. So. I think the time's probably right if Rao decides he wants to do the job because he doesn't have to. You know, he, being an Indian cricketer and whatnot, um, from, a, from a commercial point of view, it, you know, there's no incentive, I would, I would imagine, but um, he would be, uh, in my eyes, uh, a, a great choice. I'm sure he would have uh, total respect um, and he'd do a great job.
3: Righty, always great to, to catch up with you, mate. Thanks for your sentiments about Fred um, and your, your predictions. I, I yeah. like you, I believe we've got a right royal chance in this competition uh, if we if we get those uh, delicate areas right. And, and I, I totally agree with that. Uh, the, the bowling in the last few overs has cost us dearly in the last two warm-up games, and we have to think about that. But, hey, mate, great great to catch up with you, well, uh, as always. Stay healthy. Yeah, stay one well. thing, Smitty, I think
5: is... Yep. Um, just, uh, I know you've got to rush off to an ad break or something, but um, I would despair with that
3: two losses. And losses are quite, quite good, actually, in warm up games because that's how you learn. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and let's not forget that uh, they were mix and match teams, too. They weren't 11 on 11. Players exactly. played and bowlers bowled, batsmen batted. Yeah. So I don't read too much into yeah. it, folks. I'm with John Yeah, I think we will, mate. And, and you go well, too. Thanks very much for your time. Cheers, mate. See you. Cheers. Uh, righty there. What a great man. Um, and uh, 9.45 here on SENZ. Keep those uh, texts coming in. Double eight, double three. And we've got a few to read out shortly. And uh, before 10 o'clock, multi-time. And the texts are uh, running in very, very quickly. Uh, 42000000 million. I'd be off to the Karaka sales, says Pac-Man, and any other sales in Australasia. And I imagine, Pac-Man, you'd go and play every single golf course in the world uh, on your way there and on your way home. So... Uh, knowing you. So $42 bucks? yeah, you'd spend it very quickly, I would be thinking. Uh, Smithy, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Sam Kane isn't the best in the best three to four loose forwards in the country. He shouldn't even be in the team. Sam Whitelock is a guaranteed starter every week, and the team love him, and he goes out on the field and leads. Sam Kane is one head, head knock away from retirement. John Day is really shaking his head on this one. I like Kane as a player, person, and captain but I don't think he's the right man for the job. So there you go. Uh, And uh, Ben from Wellington's coming. I think Ian Foster made a mistake right at the start of the international season with Sam Kane out. He also knew that he was losing players, Sam Whitelock and Aaron Smith, during the season two impending births. Regardless of the COVID situation, they were both going to miss games. Artie should have been made captain until Sam Kane returned, which would have avoided confusing the situation we are now in. Personally, Sam Whitelock would have been my pick as original captain anyway. Uh, Here's one from Zane, our go-to guy, the Oracle. Uh, Smithy, for me, the captaincy is a direct reflection of the AB's overall selection policy. That is, a complete lack of consistency. As a mad rugby fan, uh, I grew up uh, obsessed with the All Blacks. These days my level of engagement has significantly dropped and I believe inconsistency in selection is one of the main reasons. For one, I have no idea who's going to be playing each week. Two, inconsistency in selection significantly impacts combinations and ball handling. And three, I feel like the UU black jersey has lost its value given how many players they rotate through it. Sad, really. I love the ABs, but the NRL is definitely my choice, uh, my sport of choice these days. Cheers. Zane. There you go. Uh, Another one coming in. Maybe Sam Kane will only play against the USA, then just be around the team for the rest of the tour off the bench. Interesting. I'm um, not quite sure whether that will come to pass or not. Uh, Rahul Dravid has done great work. This is a cricketing one. Uh, done great work with up-and-coming young Indian cricketers. One of the reasons for Rishabh Punt and Washington Sunder doing so well to win the Test Series in Australia recently. So uh, there you go. Plenty of uh, input on on those matters. So...
2: Uh, 9.53 here on SENZ. Uh, John, what do you make of those? All good? Yeah, great interaction. You've sparked something there, Smithy, with the All Blacks captaincy, and it has been a weird one so far this year. And people, I think, right from the start, wanted Sam Whitelock, a lot of people. Uh, And he's got the job now, um, but he won't have it permanently. So it is all a bit confusing.
3: Well, I just want to know. I mean, you know, it's not that far away, 2023. Anyway, yeah, we've got to have a multi before 10 o'clock. we had um, an interesting story yesterday. The Red Sox, they blew it, man. Absolutely blew it. Conceded eight runs in the last two innings to lose
2: 9.53. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You
0: got to know when the hold up, know when to fold her, know when to walk away. Run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
3: Well, yesterday was a mixed sort of a day, to be fair. Uh, and uh, really, uh, the Red Sox were up 2-1 going into the eighth innings and then conceded eight runs and lost to the Astros 9-2. It was a uh, really weird sort of a turnout there. Manu just got up to beat Atalanta, I understand, this morning. After being 2-0 down at halftime, they won. So uh, they got home in Barcelona beat Dinamo Kiev and... Uh, Sabolenko beat uh, Tom Lonovich as well, so uh, we were we were close. Uh, we were two innings to go, but uh, we missed uh, the Dodgers today to beat the Braves. The Dodgers uh, outlasted the Braves yesterday. That was a, a topsy turvy game with a lot of errors. Dollar uh, forty three uh, going to women's tennis. I've uh, uh, invested in the past in Sakari. I'm um, going back to Sakari to beat Katerina uh, at a dollar twenty one. 21. That's uh, a women's t- uh, tennis uh, circuit. And on the ATP, Andy Murray had a great win yesterday. I think he won again. Uh, later tonight, when he'll beat Diego Schwartzman at a buck seventy-seven, so that will be three oh six on our multi uh, coming up this morning. So uh, it's ten o'clock, uh, and when we return after the news with Trudy Rick Salizzo from America,
2: this is Mornings with Ian Smith.
3: It is 10.03 here New Zealand time on a Thursday m- morning, which means in Washington, D.C., it is 5.03 in the afternoon on Wednesday. And that's where we find uh, our next guest, uh, Rick Salizo, uh, a name familiar to all of us, uh, of course, here in New Zealand, decorated for services to the sports media uh, just not that long ago, actually. But now, these days, CEO at Rugby New- United New York, and right now it's an exciting place to be in terms of rugby. Good morning to you, Rick, uh, and it's great to catch up with you again, man. Hey, Smitty, how are you? Oh look, I'm cool, I'm really cool mate and uh, of course uh, rugby getting back on the agenda, the All Blacks uh, have done pretty well uh, in Australia but they're on the way um, to the north which means they're right next door to you. First of all, have you been able to catch up with them yet or does uh, uh, the protocols of the ban- pandemic prevent that?
6: Yeah, so so I'm obviously based in New York and it's about a three and a half hour train trip so I got down there this afternoon and um, yeah I mean from what I understand the all blacks are in a bit of a bubble situation so um and judging by social media a bubble means playing golf um which is a great idea good outdoors uh, activities but so yeah we, we um I mean I think most Kiwis it's been a great week for us because last week in New York we had 660 played and uh and then this week we get the all Blacks. so it's just like being home uh, mate that's oh
3: 660 that's fantastic um hey Uh, Look, it's an exciting time for rugby in the United States, just not because the All Blacks are there, Rick, because news has come through to us uh, overnight, basically, uh, that the USA are very, very serious about bidding for the hosting rights uh, to men's and women's World Cups coming up. Uh, How genuine a bid do you think that will be?
6: They're very serious about it, and we've been talking about it for months and months and months, so it was really exciting to have the official announcement today um, as part of this week of rugby here in D.C., but... It's, so I first arrived in, uh, I was living in Texas, Austin, Texas, uh, in 2019. And even in the short time I've been here, in a couple of years, um, rugby just is growing at, at quite an exponential rate. Um, the MLRs um, had a big uh, big influence on, you know, just bringing in some good professional players from and, and bringing the best out of the local American players. It got a bit of a setback the other week when they lost to the Uruguay. But there genuinely is um, a lot of interest in rugby. Um, I mean, the USA is so vast that it can uh, manage a lot of sports. I mean, to give you an example, we had a we were in the semi-finals a few months ago, and our um, semi-final got delayed a couple of minutes because the uh, cornhole championships hadn't finished, um, which were live on TV. You know, cornhole is basically throwing a a sack of whatever beans. Into a hole on a piece of board, um, and and it's you know it's a sport. Um, there's there's enough people here to sell to support enough sports, except cricket. <laughs>
3: except cricket. Uh, hey Rick, uh, you've always been a man for a challenge. I mean, you you delight in those sorts of things. So, being the CEO of Rugby United New York, uh, how challenging is it in that very competitive market that you uh, you're right in the middle of? Oh uh, yeah, I mean.
6: I'm really lucky that we've got Sean Marks in town because, um, you know, he's he's a good guy to call and sort of say, Sean, how do you do this? Um, it is such a competitive market. To give you an idea, I, I went and watched the Jets game the other week, and the Jets, like, win one game every six years, and there were still 60 70,000 people showing up. Um, so, you know, you've got some of the most sophisticated and um, – Uh, established sports teams in the world you know you've got NFL you've got the NBA you've got the ice hockey and then on top of that you add lacrosse you know um, um, there's so many other sports that are going on I think we're one of 15 professional sports franchises so there are a lot of challenges but um, that's what makes it makes it exciting.
3: What page of uh, the New York Times is the All Blacks being pretty close to town on if at all?
6: It's a good point, actually. Um, it's a good point. I, I, I mean, we do get the odd story in the New York Times. They did a story on our rugby team actually during the season. Um, we had a New York Times photographer embedded with us for the first part of the season as we got through COVID. Um, the, the thing, the thing about the US is people need to get their head around. It. It's not really. It's almost like 50, 51 different countries. Each each state is really its own sort of separate entity. So for example, you know, the playoffs going on in the basketball and the baseball at the moment, you know, in New York, the New York teams are out, so no one really cares. Um so um the 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 All Blacks have had a lot of coverage in the DC media. Um uh, and there's been a lot of talk here ab- about them. And you know, I think the fact that they're expecting up to 40,000 people to show up to a game of rugby, um, you know, it's testament to just how powerful the All Black brand is.
3: Rick, uh, we're back home with thinking, uh, and you mentioned it before, the the Eagles, they lost the Uruguay and we're, we're sitting at home thinking, oh no, oh no. <laughs> um, so just reassure us here about the competitive nature of this match, because you know, there was a time when uh, U.S. rugby, we assumed back from here, was growing, it was strong, it was competitive, it was likely to upset on on the world stage every now and then. Then you hear about this kind of result. Are they in a sort of hiatus at the moment, or is that just a one-off and and we should expect a genuine encounter?
6: Well, it's funny because we've got about, I think, four or five of our players in the U.S.A. team. Um, and, uh, you know, and they're good, solid rugby players, they're, they're, and they're good men. Um I mean, the first thing about Uruguay is Uruguay has improved a lot. And, uh, you know, the last World Cup, they beat Fiji. Um, and I think what happened with the USA team is they beat Uruguay up here in, in the US. But when you go down to Uruguay, it's a whole different kettle of fish. And, um, and, uh, and you know, they paid the price. So I think, you know, I think what's happened... I mean, in New Zealand rugby, you know, the development since, say, the first World Cup in 87 has been pretty dramatic, you know, and it's been hard for a lot of countries to compete with that that rate of improvement. Um, but there are some very good players. I, you know, as I say, I mean, we've got um, four, five, I think, of the pack uh, from my team, um, both locks, both the starting locks, uh, Nick Savetta and, and Nate Brakely uh, from New York. Um, one went to Oxford, one went to Cambridge. Um, two of the smartest men I've ever met in world rugby. Um, so, yeah, look, it, it's very hard for any team uh, at, at, I don't know what they call it, tier two or whatever, to be competitive with the All Blacks. But I do know that they'll be giving it everything. They'll be giving it you know, as much passion. They're so excited. I mean, you imagine if you sort of woke up and, you know, a good, solid rugby player and it's like, oh, by the way, um, tomorrow you're probably going to be marking Sam Whitelock. <laughs> it's, like, it's pretty exciting for them.
3: Yeah. Oh, I imagine it is. I mean, it's a one-off opportunity for many of them. But, um, you know, we're looking forward to uh, the two, 2023 Rugby World Cup. I mean, it's 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 a challenge ahead of them. What about Rick Salito these days? I mean, uh, as you mentioned, you were in Austin uh, you're now uh, in this current role that you've got with uh, Rugby United New York. And, uh, are we ever likely to see you back home, mate, or are you going to continue this globe trotting for quite some time?
6: Well, I wanted to come home, but they wouldn't let me. Apparently there's a sort of quarantine thing going on where they're not letting sort of Italians <laughs> with no hair come back in. Um, so, yeah, I was due <laughs> to come back in uh, August, but um, obviously with everything that's going on, um, I couldn't get back into the country. So... Um, you know, I thought, well, I'll just stay here, um, which, yeah, it's look, it's, as you said, I've, I've always enjoyed doing things a bit differently and a bit of a challenge, and um, I mean, I think as far ahead as about tomorrow, <laughs> so um, yeah. I'm loving it here at the moment, though. It's just, I'm learning so much, you know, as you say, you know, there's, there's got all the big sports here and the sophistication around marketing and media and selling tickets and Building audiences and stuff, which is the sort of stuff I really enjoy. Um, I've learned so much in the last twelve months. You know, I you know thought I knew it all, and I know nothing. And uh, I'm just learning. And and you know, when you're learning, you know, at, at my age of ninety seven, it's um, it's exciting to keep learning and keep getting better. Um, uh, and and that's what I'm enjoying about being here.
3: Rick, yeah, obviously you're you're very heavily involved in in recruitment. You have overseas players within your mix as well. So, um, how closely do you still um, keep an eye on in, on New Zealand rugby and, and possibilities there of fringe players that you you might be able to say, you know, come and come and give it a go, fellas, over here? Do you, do you look at it that way in terms of New Zealand rugby?
6: I mean, I watch every every Bunnings game is on uh, Flow Rugby here, so. Um... You know, either watch them live or recorded, um, and uh, it, yeah. So you know, I mean, obviously that's where my connections are, and, and the people I know. And you know, we've had um, we had some great Kiwis in the in the team. Um, you know, all of well, most of them which are coming back. Um, we had uh, Andy Ellis, who you know was just been amazing. You know, best halfback in the competition. I, I personally thought he was probably the best. Overseas player in the competition along with Matt Gitto. Um, and uh, and uh, he's coming back. Um, he, I he doesn't know it yet. Um, but um, we also had uh, Cara Pryor from Northland playing for us and Fussy Footai from Bar Plenty. Again, you know, they just really stamped their mark on the, on the uh, competition here. So, yeah, New Zealand players are really important to us.
3: Rick, um... It's been 40 years since you, you cut your teeth, really, on the 1981 Springbok tour. You worked uh, studiously as a young journo. 40 years, Thanks, mate. Buddy. We've had a few guys on. We've had a few guys on. We had uh, Giza Wilson, Stewie Wilson on about it. Uh, a number of uh, players who were involved around that time. Uh, you you looked at it um, across the barbed wire, I guess we'll say, and, and what were your impressions of rugby and life then?
6: Mate, well, I came out of journalism school in July 1981 and a week later the Springboks arrived and I was at the airport when they arrived covering it for Radio Pacific and um and yeah and I did most of the tour for the private radio stations as they were called back then Radio Pacific and um I remember being at the Waikato game that sort of got called off and being in the middle of about 100 different brawls um it was uh the ultimate baptism of fire and um (laughs) I mean my job for the third test um was you know we had like 10 reporters all at these really important sites and I volunteered to be with a um uh, an RT standing in the stands watching the game so that was my contribution um so I got to manage to watch the game and report on it on the the whole thing not realizing that there was civil war going on outside Eden Park so yeah, it was a it was, look, it was just a, a scary time to be honest. Uh, like, um, like now, you, you know, we're going through this pandemic and it's sort of unreal. It's like living in a movie, it's like you, it's just as like life is not normal. And, and, in a funny way, that's what it was like in '81, you know, um, that it just the new normal was just so not normal, you know, um, people fighting in the streets, people fighting the police. Um, you know arguments in the family um just the the level of violence and aggression that came around um and you know I, I was a mad keen rugby kid I, I was i don't know probably 18, 17, 18 nineteen something like that playing rugby rugby meant everything to me um so i didn't have a i didn't have a perspective on it back then um but it was uh yeah it, it's it's hard to explain i mean i like you, Smithy, we've been lucky enough at times in our careers um, to be in the middle of history. And um, you know, for me, you know, that eighty-one Springbok tour was, you know, being in the middle of history. And the other one for me was probably the ninety-five World Cup. You know, those those moments. Um, where you know there's movies made about them and documentaries and whatever um when I mean, you've been in the middle of it you know um it's it's just uh yeah it's just something that uh, lives in your memory forever
3: speaking of history the crowd go, goes wild your little baby <laughs> is uh, is still trucking along mate very it's trucking it'll change in personnel as you would expect but it's still hanging in there and going big
6: well, you know, Reg is like he hangs around for a long time, sort of setting the innings up, and then he buggers off and lets us do all the work. So that was sort of the story of <laughs> crowd goes well. But yeah, I mean, look, I talk to the troops every day, um, you know, and uh, it's just it's like a sports team. You you get great talent together, and then let them express themselves, and and it's amazing what what they can achieve. And uh, I'm really lucky with the crowd team. It's just you know what a great group of individuals and. Incredible talents, and uh, and I suppose my job was just to put them together and let them go, and 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 they've been going and going a bit like the energizer energizer yeah. bunny.
3: Rick, you're made a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit, uh, the year for services to, um, to the to sports media. Uh, not many people get that. Uh, you know, you got to look at your Terry McLean's and and those sorts of guys. Uh, but but you got it, mate. Um, you must have been quite chuffed about that behind the scenes, I would imagine.
6: I was. Uh, Stunned, first of all, and, and 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 very grateful. But I still see myself as the young kid behind Nisbo and Quinny. You know, um, hmm. watching the masters at work, learning from them. That, that you know, and and in, in, in all honesty, that that's probably been the greatest reward for me is just sitting and watching guys like that work. You know, I used to go away on tour, and Nisbo and Quinny and Gavin Service, and 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 just. And just listening to them and learning from them and hearing their stories and stuff. That that was the greatest part of my career. And uh and so I still see myself as that as that young fellow that was um just shut up and, and listened to those guys. And uh it's sort of hard to you know, like all of us, it's hard to realize that I'm about 150 years old now. And maybe I'm not mm. the twenty five year old, but um, but that's how I still see myself.
3: Well, you're still keeping very active. You know, there was a time when um, if you needed tickets for an all, last minute tickets for an all black test or whatever, um, Rick Salizo's number might be in your phone just in case he managed to find a source somewhere for them. Uh, how are you looking for this this weekend's all black game? I suppose you've got a truckload to give away to your mates. Well, yeah,
6: I mean, you know, you know me, Smithy. I don't have any friends, but um, um, I've been trying to find some i and wandering around. I mean, I think I think pretty much every New Zealander in the US is going to be here in DC, so that would be fun. I, I like how so small New Zealanders. There was a big um, uh, there's a New Zealanders on in the US Facebook page, and someone went on it and said, Right, I'm organizing a tailgate, all the Kiwis are going to meet such and such, such and such, and then I realized the guy that was organizing it was the prop for my first 15 at De La Salle. So I was like, mate, I'll be there. So, I mean, it's, that's the thing I love about the Kiwis abroad. You know, it takes you about two seconds before you realise that you all know each other. So uh, I'm looking forward to it.
3: Mate, we were, we were looking forward to the chat uh, with you. Um, it's been a long time coming, and uh, I'm so glad uh, you make yourself available for us. Uh, your afternoon time, our morning time. Hey, great. Enjoy your little reunion if, if you get to catch up with a few guys. Special time in your life. Uh, thanks for your contribution uh, to our show and, and, and your continuing contribution to the sports media, mate. Love it. Thank you.
6: No Smithy. you Mate, you know I'm always keen to have a chat to you. I, I, t- talking to you, I forgot I was on the radio. I just thought I was having a catch-up.
3: <laughs> no, it's cool, mate. I really enjoyed it. Hey, hey, thanks, mate, right. and enjoy the occasion. Hey, special. Thanks, Smithy. Yeah, cheers. Rick Salizo there with us, folks. Uh, really, uh, man, he has done a great job for New Zealand sport, rugby in particular, but uh, he's he's very, very good at what he does. and He still sounds uh, very young. He says uh, about three or four times there how old he, he, he possibly could be, but you wouldn't hear it. Uh, he's so active um, and, and what he does. It's cool. Absolutely. Uh, we'll take a short break here. And uh, speaking of active, we've got a couple of great active panellists on the show this morning, and Ollie Ritchie and Hugh Bainon. That's coming up. the panel. News Hub's Ollie Ritchie is with us this morning, as is Hugh Bain and one of the luckiest men in New Zealand because he lives in one of the most beautiful parts of New Zealand. And of course, uh, he lives in Nelson and he's a basketball aficionado. I'll start with you, Ollie, if I can. Now, we we floated the idea about it. Is it time to uh, have a full-time, permanent, all-black captain and name him through to the World Cup? Uh, but we've had a lot of flack. A lot of techs come in and say, uh, you know, pull your head in sort of thing. Uh, and they're, not, they're, they're quite happy that we, we rotate them around. What, what's your feeling on the matter?
5: Yeah, uh, well, we've got a full-time captain. His name's Sam Kane. Unfortunately, he just hasn't played any footy since about April. Um, I don't mind what they're doing at the moment. Um, let's be honest, their hand has been forced a bit. Sam Whitelock couldn't make it. Uh, to the rugby Championship in Australia. Obviously, Sam Kane couldn't make it to that either, so they had to find uh, a new captain. So I don't mind them going back to Sam Whitelock. He was named as the captain at the start of the year when it was clear that Sam Kane would not be able to play uh, for some time. Sam Whitelock was named as the new All Blacks captain, and I don't think it would have been fair to then Uh, take that away from him just because he had to stay behind for the birth of his third child. So I don't mind the fact that they've given it back to Sam Whitelock. Where I think it's going to be interesting is when Sam Kane has enough minutes under his belt. And John Plumtree was saying yesterday, it's about just getting Sam Kane back into playing rugby, get used to that physicality and back uh, playing in the All Blacks jersey without the burden of the captaincy. Well, once Sam Kane has found his feet back in the All Blacks, and Uh, suddenly the captaincy isn't so much of a burden, what are they going to do then? You know, if they've got two or three Mm. games left on the end of year two, are they going to then hand it back to Sam Kane and say, Sam Whitelock, thanks very much, you've done a great job, we go back to our uh, incumbent? I don't think they have a choice because otherwise they're going to find themselves in a very sticky situation for the next couple of years, especially because Sam Whitelock's doing a pretty good job at the moment.
3: Uh, that, That was, you know, sometimes that worries me a wee bit, Hugh, because... I've well, been in teams where you know here you have standing captains etc., um, and, and all of a sudden you you start changing tactics. Um, and people have different thoughts in pressure situations, and you just you just start to wonder a, a wee bit about um, the direction you're heading. in. and I, I don't know—is there a danger of that with the All Blacks at the moment?
7: No, I don't. I think we are reading far far too much into this. I think Ollie for so the first eighty percent of his answer not like got a bang on the nail. Um, Sam Kane is the All Blacks captain, he's been away, injured. Sam Whitelock would be his backup, he was away for the birth of his child. The media, we all made a massive deal out of every individual captain that got the nod for the, for the game to Marion Smith, to Brody, to Ardy, to um, made a huge deal out of it. But we all knew, the, as Ollie's just reinforced, we all knew the deal. You know, the two, the, the captain and the, and the standing captain weren't around. They're back now. I believe the All Blacks have said Sam Whitelock will be captain for the whole tour to the end of the year. Uh, even if Sam Kane does find his feet, then I fully expect Sam Kane to get it back in. I mean, Smith you're coming from cricket, of course, where I suggest, and I obviously not played at any any level at any sport, but I suggest it's a lot more on-field tactical decision-making, you know, altering the uh, the uh, the course of the game more than any other sport. I, I think um, rugby, of course, yes, you do have to make big decisions. We've seen captains make wrong decisions, going for the post at the wrong time, going for the you to at the wrong time, but I think uh,
5: mm-hmm.
7: these guys are pretty smart. They've been around the block. They work together on the field as well.
3: Ollie Ritchie and Hugh Bainan with us this morning. We're going to take a short break uh, for the news. When we come back, with it, so much more to talk about. Plenty of basketball issues for Hugh, and are there worrying signs for the Black Caps? Maybe Ollie Ritchie can look at that. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to just uh, have a short break with Trudy, and uh, it's ten thirty.
1: Talk the opinions, the
3: panel.
2: Talk, talk,
3: Hugh Bainan with us this morning, as is uh, Ollie Ritchie. Uh, Ollie, a couple of warm-up games for the Black Caps now complete. The next one is the serious one against Pakistan. Um, Two losses. I'm not sure we can read too much into the result, but the worrying thing for me is this ongoing elbow issue that stopped Kane Williamson even having a bat last night.
5: Yeah, it's a little bit concerning at the moment, um, just a few days out from the, the start of the World Cup, isn't it, Smitty? I'm um, like you, I won't read much into the results of those two warm-up games, um, because I think this black catch team is, is pretty well placed to, to hopefully go deep into this tournament. But yeah, it's been a niggling issue for Kane Williamson for, for some time, and the fact that he, he couldn't even have a bat with it uh, in that second warm-up game is, is concerning. I suppose we've got to, what, the 27th, I think, is our first match of the, the World Cup against Pakistan. If you're Kane Williamson and if you're Blackhawks management, he's just on ice uh, until then. Um, As far as I'm concerned, just put him on ice, keep him away, get that elbow right. uh, And so hopefully he's right to go for for match one against Pakistan.
3: Yeah, for me, it's it's just been going on too long. And um, whether he needs remedial surgery or something about it that I can recall... Uh, it's been going around for a couple of years, this elbow problem. And, of course, that's his batting elbow as well, which is that front left elbow. Uh, so important to his t- technique. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, a watchful eye on that. Uh, as you would have been doing, Hugh, on the basketball scene, man, if there some issues to deal with here. Uh, Sean Markson versus Kyrie Irving, or, or Kyrie Irving versus the world. Seems an interesting one. Doc <laughs> Rivers versus Ben Simmons, or Ben Simmons versus the world. Man, it's not been a quiet start to, to it off the court, has it?
7: Nah, this Ben Simmons stuff just gets you know, crazier and crazier, and it's quite interesting watching my friends and learned colleagues across the Tasman for so long try and defend Ben Simmons uh, until yesterday, until all that news came out You know about him uh, walking out of practice when Doc Rivers asked, to join, asked him to join in a defensive drill. That was pretty indefensible. Um, yes, we've seen over the past few years in the NBA uh, player power really be a thing and, and players force a trade. I think what we're seeing now, and not just in the Ben Simmons case, which is obviously big down this part of the world, but also Martin Bagley uh, up in Sacramento as well, similar thing, teams are starting to fight back and be like, actually, we have, as the commissioner of the league said, we have contracts for a reason in this league. And we're not just going to let you go unless we get sufficient value back for your contract. It is a business, after all. So, um, yeah, absolutely crazy off-the-court start. A good on-the-court start as well. Just a rip yesterday, some big-name stars in, um, in action in the same today when the, when the rest of the league gets back underway.
3: Yeah, Stephen Adams, Hugh, today. Um, uh, kicks off a new career with a new franchise um, uh, up against the Cleveland Cavaliers.
7: Yeah, awesome. You know what's fantastic? This is why we mentioned Steve playing for the Grizzlies. 109 international players from 39 countries are in the NBA this year. How cool is that for fans like us who aren't coming from the States uh, to feel represented in the world's best basketball league? Um, so Steve, one of those 109, of course, wearing the blue and the blue Nelson College colours of the Memphis Grizzlies. What are we going to see from him this year? I think we're going to see him used a lot more than we saw him last year with the Pelicans. He's going to set some thunder a screen for Jar Morant, one of the most promising young guards in the league going to create, they're going to do a lot of off-ball cutting and flashing towards the hoop and Steve's going to be right in the middle of that he's going to rack up the assists this year I reckon, and obviously he's going to uh, throw his weight around uh, ruffle a few feathers and uh, force a few smiles in the media box as well
3: Ollie, what's your favourite American sport? I've I've never really asked you is is there one in particular, is there a a franchise, is there a team that you, you absolutely do support?
5: Yeah, there is. Um, Smithy, like you, big into my NBA. Um, really like that. Big Miami Heat fan. Um, was a Miami Heat fan before LeBron James arrived uh, in South Beach. That's always important uh, to point out to people uh, and remain a, a, a good Miami Heat fan now. I think they've uh, acquired Kyle Lowry over the offseason, which will be a great little acquisition to go alongside Jimmy Butler there. Um, so they will make some waves in the East. They'll beat Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals and then go to the finals. Um, so you can mark my words on that. But yeah, back into the NBA. It's quite funny watching these off-season um, or off-course little dramas play out. What a little brat, Ben Simmons is. Oh my goodness, uh, you know, demanding a trade and the way you are. Like, like you kind of mentioned, we've seen player power before. But you know, player power is when you're a guy like uh, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, not like Ben Simmons. Maybe you should prove yourself on the court a little more, Ben, before you start demanding a trade. Um, But, yeah, there's some fascinating off-court and off-field storylines coming out of these American sports. So I think it'll be a really interesting NBA season to follow.
3: Yeah, I mean, Hugh, I mean, first thing I'd say if I was Doc Rivers is, how's your free throws going, Ben? Uh, Before you start (laughs) questioning what I'm doing (laughs) and the rest of the team. I mean, you know, the most basic thing in the, in, the, in the world that you can practice and you can get better at, uh, why can't you shoot free throws? And why was it a joke towards the end of last season to every other franchise that played against you? I mean, what is he thinking? I mean, a, is it just an Australian thing? Is there a Kyrios gene floating around somewhere?
7: <laughs> Maybe maybe well I mean let's get into the old Australian psyche because more often than not he comes out on top in sport doesn't it but um, yeah there's certainly something going on there with Ben he's a fantastic basketballer the other one thing I think that he might regret now is not going to the Olympics because he missed you know he didn't go to the Olympics to concentrate on his NBA Mm -hmm. career and stuff well all that's landed him is it's opening night and he's you know he's not going to play and he hasn't got a team essentially he's just walked out on his team after turning up late so if he'd gone to the Olympics starred for Australia, which he would have, you know, he is a really good basketballer, then I think there'll be a lot more teams looking at him now trying to get a trade. I mean, I'm a a fan of the Sacramento Kings, right? Normally you'd be like, oh, wow, someone like Ben Simmons, that'd be great. And they were mentioned in trade rumors with him. But now I see what he did two days ago. I don't want him. You don't want a guy like that at your team, Mm -hmm. right? Surely. So no matter how good he is. um, So, yeah, I think he's really backed himself into a corner.
3: Ollie, um, you're a a devout sports fan. If you won $42 million, obviously you didn't win it last night because you certainly wouldn't be talking to me right here and now. Uh, (laughs) Would you direct direct it in a a sporting direction at all if you could buy a franchise or buy into a franchise um, apart from the Miami Heat? Maybe what would you do with it in New Zealand? Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure
5: I'd direct it to a sporting franchise. I actually forgot to buy a ticket um, last night, so... That was a shame. But I don't think I would have won it anyway. Um, and I'd still be here talking to you some of the year, Even if I had. Um, uh, look, what would you I do? Right. Um, I don't... <laughs> I don't know that I would invest in a, in a sport franchise. But maybe one of those... You know, if I was going to, maybe one of those sort of more unknown... Uh, sport franchises, you know, in the, either the kind of the NFL or, or the NBA. And I say unknown uh, from the, with a New Zealand lens on.
1: Um, they wouldn't
5: be unknown over there. But maybe one of the smaller ones, so not going and investing straight into the LA Lakers or the New York Yankees or something like that. You know, maybe find a small town fran- franchise the Cincinnati Bengals and the NFL or something like that and, and try and build them into a bit of a dynasty. Yeah, you don't need
3: 20 million because
7: yeah, I was yeah, going to 40 42 million uh, New Zealand dollars is 30 million US dollars, which isn't even going to cause a blink at one of those big US <laughs> franchises. That's the trouble for that. Um, if I so won you, it, which I didn't, yeah. let me tell you, um, I have to do. Here back here in Aotearoa, oh, you know, I'd love to see a lot more investment in women's basketball. I'd love to see Nelson Sparks back on the national stage, which I know producer John Day will be all about as well. Former champions of the New Zealand Women's Comp, been out the comp for a few years. So <laughs> maybe I wouldn't put all 42 mil into it, um, but I'd certainly be in a position to help out.
3: Gentlemen, uh, been an absolute pleasure hearing your thoughts on a number of subjects this morning. That was uh, Ollie Ritchie and Hugh Bain on a very passionate man, Hugh, about his basketball in particular and Ollie of course who's been at the Olympics I uh, uh, knows pretty much everything about it, uh, everything's got his finger on the pulse, great panellists this morning thank you gentlemen, uh, so it's 10.40 here on SENZ, my word you have been active on your text and it's great that uh, we can read some out after the break and then before 11 o'clock of course we'll catch up with Louis Herman Watt uh, and Pip Morris from the TAB
2: You're in safe hands, it's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
3: uh, this morning we uh, baited the hook and threw it out there about the uh, all-black captaincy and we have got some serious bites today and there's some serious passion about the position which I think is absolutely fantastic because that's what I was kind of searching for in my sermon. The passion about the job of being the all-black captain, a lot of differing uh, opinions. Uh, first of all uh, I'll just read out uh, from Zane, a great interview with Rick, such a great listen. used to love him on the sports cafe back in the day, that voice Brings back such wonderful memories. You're absolutely right, Zane. Um, But you, like me, have not been uh, left unscathed. So I'm going to read out a text that has uh, come in uh, directed at you. Zane, listen to this. Think about it, mate. Zane, the World Cup is why the team changes all the time. It's that dreaded four-year cycle of trying to get the best combinations for the game plan they want with new players in the squad. Also, workload because of super rugby and mid-year tests uh, than the Northern Tour, so Richard is saying that, uh, Zane, so it's lovely to hear that not just having a go at me or passing through me, um, they, you're, you're also interacting amongst yourselves, that's great, absolutely. So, hey, Smithy's massive Chiefs fan, but never agreed that Sam Kane is a captain, so I still don't think he's the best number seven in the country, there you go. Uh, Luke Jacobson is the best eight in the country with Hoskin Satutu and Devin Flanders right behind him. Sam Whitelock should have been captain once Kieran Reed retired. Chase from Waiuku. Always respect Chase's opinion, of course. Uh, respect all your opinions. Smithy, the all-black coach has named a playing captain for the Tour to Europe. Sam Whitelock, who is a very capable leader. Do the players in the leadership group have input put on this decision, uh, along with the coaches' group? Have no idea. Shouldn't do. I don't think the players should have a say. Um, you know, otherwise we just pick our mates, don't we? Um, we really don't want that. Um, the idea that the black jersey has recently lost its value because of rotation, etc. is a myth. Says Joe, there has been no decade in history that doesn't have an all-black selection uh, selections of lesser players. Examples, in 1949 when 30 players went to South Africa while a completely different team played tests at home. The first tour to Argentina in the 70s and googled Jamie Hendry sometime. None of these are unique, but they are all official all-black teams. Uh, Hi, Smithy, says Phil from Auckland. I have concerns with Sam Whitelock as captain. I feel he struggled to keep his cool in the World Cup semi against England towards the end there when things started to fall apart. This is probably why he didn't get named captain after Kieran Reid. Fingers crossed, hopefully, he doesn't repeat that as the all-black captain now. Here's a nice passionate one from Steve. Um, Perhaps, perhaps not uh, a Canterbury supporter. Uh, Morning, Smithy, to those one-eyed Crusader supporters that want Whitelock to be captain and don't rate Sam Kane, they need to get the cataract fixed in their good eye and and they will be able to see what a great player Sam Kane is. Having said that, I do rate Sam Whitelock. He is a great player and adds value to the the team with his skills. So there you go, folks. Um, If I won uh, Lotto, says Chase also, uh, $42 million. I would invest some in my rugby club, Manurewa, Manurewa, and invest in women's rugby and set up a fund to get our great athletes home from overseas. Very deep, meaningful thought there. And here's a, a really special one I like. Um, uh, Smithy, I answered an ad in the old rugby news by letter back in 1992. I was playing senior rugby in Kerry, And a few weeks later, I was playing in Lexington, Lexington Kentucky, Kentucky for the Lexington Blackstones. They were amazing times and a shame USA. They did not have not achieve what they should have in 15s. It would be great to have them strong. And the fact that they are bidding for a World Cup, a very serious bid, you know it'll have the money, you know it'll have the money, you know it'll have the facilities, and it's, um, it's a situation where, of course, you don't have uh, a team that's likely to win. We've had that in the Football World Cups, haven't we? They're not going to be genuine contenders at the end of the day, but they're very, very good hosts. Japan comes to mind. Uh, in that respect. So, hey, look, fantastic this morning, folks. Uh, we'll still have another segment after 11 o'clock where you can contribute. So, by all means, please do. But uh, we're going to take a very short break. And when we come back, racing time with Louis Herman Watt and our usual daily visit to the TAB.
2: He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The
0: LoveRacing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan.
3: Time to catch up with uh, Louis Herman Watt, uh, racing at Wingatui today, way down south. An impressive run yesterday uh, in Geelong, not so much in the Geelong Cup, but an earlier race, uh, Louis, that I spotted. Tony Pike trained Tutakaka. Gee, it looked impressive. It looked impressive before the race. And one accordingly. Yeah, or a choo choo
1: kaka, as uh, Matt Hill seems to call it. Choo choo kaka. I'm not sure on the pronunciation there, but um, it's a hell of a horse. So it is a half-brother to Melody Bellsmithy out of Malika Bell. Okay. So Marie Lester is the breeder there. She's a wonderful wonderful lady in racing. She's done a lot for racing throughout the years as an administrator and a breeder and um, Hānau Farm. So they, they Pikey had that, bought that. Um, uh, was a colt back then and has trained up and it's a real live derby chance. Set off the pace, frosty lane, just stoked it up at the right time and it really brained them so that was beautiful. Uh, Osaka, a former Kiwi, was scratched out. Unfortunately, a horse that Baz has a share in, Defibrillate, just hasn't come on over these staying trips, this preparation, and uh, I-, I tipped out How Romantic, and we just got nicked by Rainbill and Linda Meach up top. Uh, other than that, Smithy, yesterday was a big day because we got the barrier draw for the invitation on mm. um, Trivier. In your words, pretty
3: impressive. Absolutely. I think stand out. I stand out on trivia. um I think one of um, our really good exports. I mean, we've, had, we've got some beauties, but uh, of late, one of our better exports. So
1: so I just spoke to... Um, I've, I've spoken to Tommy Berry. He's coming on our show tomorrow. He's doing the riding in lieu of James mm. McDonald, who's gone down to chase Cox Plate glory. And he said the words, which is not really what I wanted to hear because I've got a futures ticket, but it's still OK. He said... If she drew a gate, she would have been a good thing. she's drawn eleven, mm-hmm. so she'll probably come into ten, I think with an emergency gets bailed out um and she's still definitely the clear-cut favourite. She's on the up. She's been put towards... that. The, this preparation has been all about the invitation from Jamie Richards and Tiaka. You're just getting $3 where if she drew a gate, she would probably start odds-on, I think, Smithy. So it'll be interesting to see what the market does on the day. Um, the field for this $2 million race is probably not as strong as Volandis and the crew would have hoped, but it's its first year, so give it a bit of time and it will bed in. And, of course, this Friday night we've got the Manicardo Stakes, um, smithy, which is mm. t- tomorrow night. That's the big prelude. Of course, I mean, it's a great sprint race in its own right. Uh, the Manicardo Stakes, it's a Group 1, but that is kind of the prelude to what comes the day after, which is the Cox Plate, and you have got Very Elegant, you've got uh, um, Probabile and you've got, Zaki and your trifecta and I can't really argue with it
3: no, Thanks very much uh, for that Lou. we've got to rip across to the TAB where Pip Morris is waiting for us, Pip being Thursday we've got to advise you that our inter-show uh, Glory bet uh, this week uh, we're going to stick with golf so uh, if you can advise those people in the know that Colin Morikawa for a top 5 finish in the next PGA event, the Zozo Championship uh, top 5 finish, Colin Morikawa at $2.40 so what has the TAB got lined up for us today?
0: $3.40, I like that. I've just seen that staff just passed you too. There's maybe on the overall table, so hopefully you can bounce back this week and, and get back on top. And yeah, big day, of, of course, uh, racing-wise, especially for the Greyhounds. Addington, not too far away from kicking off. 12.03, 12 race card there. 15 race program from Cambridge a little later on. And look, we've got a shark tip for you too in the NPC there. Targo with that 4.5 uh, starting margin there. Hawks Bay head-to-head, Taranaki head-to-head as well at
3: $3.23. If you won $42 million, I assume you didn't, Pip. What would you do with it?
0: <laughs> what would I do with it? Well, I tell you what, I'd probably take a holiday, that's for sure, where we can actually go somewhere and buy a nice house. Mm. And I might put a tiny little bit on a dog today too. Uh, I don't mind one at a bit of value actually at Addington today. Race number 11 the four Rebel Boom. She's at six fifty two ten for the play. She's just such a consistent little thing and look I think she's worth an each-way play there in, in the 11th on the
1: day.
3: Hey Pip, absolutely fantastic. Thanks for your input this morning. Uh, good luck with that bet. I shall follow it um, and I think I'll be on it because you know uh, it's 11 o'clock here on SENZ time for the news and after that it's going to be football time. We're going to take uh, a, a visit with Ricardo Ball. And
2: day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Old Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Uh, joined by Ricardo Ball this morning. It's not very often you have two great Ricardos on the same show. Uh, Ricardo Ball, of course, Ricardo Salizzo. Uh, I'll just read a a couple of results out before we get to you, Ricardo. and these are from the Champions League for the folks at home who might be wondering, or those at work, or driving for that matter. Barcelona 1, Dynamo Kiev nil. Salzburg beat Wolfsburg 3-1 in the Battle of the Bergs, Bayern Munich way too strong for Benfica 4-0, Chelsea the same, beating Malmö 4-0, Villarreal beat uh, Young Boys 4-1, Juventus triumphing over Zenit 1-0, Lille and Seville drawing nil all uh, and the one that um, was uh, of interest for quite some time because they were 2-0 down at half time Manchester United uh, scored three goals in the second half to beat Atalanta 3-2 which made uh, Old Trafford happy and it made you Ricardo Ball very happy good morning to you
5: yes very happy mate thank you Um, yeah it was a it was a great turnaround because you know 2-0 down uh Close to half-time. Uh, it, w- it wasn't looking great. I mean, the thing with United at the moment is they're dominating possession in games. They're dominating chances in games. Uh, they're playing some good football on the front foot, but they're really exposed on the break. Um, I mean, you know, at halftime, Atalanta had had two chances and they were two goals up. So, you know, something there needed to change. But on the whole of it, if you're watching, if you're watching the game, you think United were with a better side. They created more chances. They had more of the ball. Uh, They certainly had Atalanta going backwards, but Atalanta were just really well organised and and did well for a long period of time. So I think there are are still work-ons at United for Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. I think they need to get the balance right. Um, But I think there were some positive signs in that second half, which they need because they've got Liverpool at the weekend.
3: Is Oli Gunnar secure? I think
5: this this result will have helped. Um, There was some talk... That if United didn't win this game and then lost to Liverpool, that he might be out the door. Um, I, I think that might have been a bit premature. I mean, you got to remember the, the game against Leicester uh, last weekend that United lost four two was their first loss on the road in the Premier League for thirty matches. Um, you know, so yeah. he has done some good things with that club. He certainly transformed the squad and he's got them playing a better brand of football than they were playing under Mourinho or under Van Gaal or or under Moyes. So, I mean, I think he's probably, United are looking the best I've looked since Sir Alex Ferguson retired, but they have had a bit of a blip. Um, Obviously, Raphael Varane being injured on on France duty hasn't helped. Harry Maguire's also been injured, and I think in that Leicester game, he maybe came back too early. He didn't look sharp, and he was probably the fault for two of the goals. Um, so, you know, it's not perfect, but I, I think there needs to be a bit more patience and I think Solskjaer will get it right.
3: Okay, so just say he wasn't, uh, you know, it's a plum job. I mean, most coaches around the world mm. would like to have that tag of being the boss at, uh, at MU at Old Trafford. So have you heard any names that, uh, who haven't got gigs at the moment or likely to be coming to the end that might be possible?
5: Yeah, there's a couple. Uh, There there was uh, a lot of talk about Zinedine Zidane, uh, who obviously has got good Champions League pedigree from his time at Real Madrid. Uh, He knows Paul Pogba very well, knows Cristiano Ronaldo very well. Um, There was some talk that those players are agitating for that. I don't, I don't know if that's just speculation or not. But uh, so he was definitely one. Another one who is a guy who will get you results pretty quickly. But Uh, Is probably more in the Mourinho mould in terms of the style he plays is Antonio Conte, the former Juventus and Chelsea boss. Uh, So those two guys at the moment don't have jobs, so they would be available immediately. Uh, There is, of course, also uh, Maurizio Pochettino, who is now at PSG. Um, Everything for him is on how he does in the Champions League this year, and I'm not convinced that they're going to do that well in the Champions League, because I think he's been burdened in a little in a, in, a, in a way. I know it sounds funny, but having Messi and Neymar in your team can be a bit of a burden if you want to play the way Pochettino likes to play, which is to press high and win the ball back further up the pitch, because those guys don't like to do a lot of running off the ball. Um, so he's had to change the way he's playing. And PSG can score goals, but they're also conceding goals. So I don't think that they will win the Champions League this season. And if that happens, then Pochettino will be probably looking for a job. And I know he's been somebody that's been linked to Old Trafford in the past. So if Ollie doesn't have a great season, uh, but they hold on to him post, say, January, uh, then there's every chance that they just hold on to him to the end of the year and, and, and go for Pochettino if he, uh, if he uh, leaves PSG, because he does only have one more year on his deal there.
3: As a devout Manchester United fan, uh, you will have also been a great fan of uh, Steve Bruce and his playing days in particular, uh, mm. over 300 appearances for the club. Uh, of late, though, he's been uh, doing some managerial duties uh, for quite some time, actually, at Newcastle. That's about to come to an end, and uh, Newcastle have got new owners. Uh, they've got fans dressing up as Arab sheiks, etc. The, the hierarchy have said, please don't do that. Don't come to St James's Park dressed like that. Uh, what have you uh, are making from, from afar on the Newcastle set-up all of a sudden?
5: Well, I mean, this, this is a conversation that you go one or two ways, Smitty. I mean, you know, you can talk about um, the, the purely from a football side of things. I mean, this is going to be Manchester City on steroids. Uh, basically, even, as much as they will try and deny it, it is the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia owns a club now, um, even though that's legally not allowed to happen. So they've done it through uh, different means uh, to, to, to make it look good for, for the lawyers. Um, But on the other hand, you know, on the other side of things, you know, you think about um, Kachogi, the journalist, and what happened to him. Um, The FBI, CIA have both said that that was definitely um, ordered directly from the head of the Saudi royal family, which they obviously deny. Um, And you've got those people now running a club in the Premier League. Now, the Premier League do have a, you know, a proper uh, fit and proper owner's test. Which I've got to say must be pretty loose if uh, if these people can can own the club um you know there was a hold up this this was supposed to go through last year, but didn't, and i mean to to frame it i think in a way that is critical of the Premier League themselves, you have to look at that that wasn't what was holding it up what was holding it up was that saudi the Saudis don't have a great relationship with Qatar and be in sports, which is the big Premier League. TV provider is a Qatari company. Saudi Arabia were blocking Bein from uh, broadcasting into Saudi Arabia, and they were allowing a lot of pirate sites to uh, pop up and show the Premier League illegally uh, and not doing anything about it. And that was the stumbling block as to why they initially got blocked from owning a club in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, the human rights thing doesn't seem to be an issue for the Premier League, which I think is an issue for all of football.
3: Uh, let's uh, look at uh, the local scene, and, and um, well, it won't be local but because it'll be played overseas, but uh, all of a sudden the football fans are going to see some action, which is great. Uh, they're playing uh, against uh, the, the Olympic champions in, in Canada. Uh, the first game is at 8 o'clock Sunday morning in Ottawa, second one in Montreal. Now, this is uh, a debut at uh, coaching level for a relatively new name, for me anyway, and I'm sure for football fans around the country, Jitka Slim Clover is all of a sudden in charge. Uh, what do we know? Uh, would it, she'd be? Would I be right in saying a first female manager of our uh, football firms?
5: I think she's the first out and out football, uh, you know, uh, manager. We've had uh, women in support roles and and co-coaching roles before, but yeah, the first head coach of the football firms that I can remember um, as uh, a, a, a being female. And uh, yeah, I mean, she's a manager that comes with us with a lot of experience. Um, she's originally from the Czech Republic. She coached the under-19 setup. Um, she's also coached in the uh, what was the W League, now the A League before as well. She coached Canberra there for, for a while. Uh, and she's been involved, Smithy, with the United States women's setup as an under-19s and under-20s head coach, which for me is... Uh, is a really good sign because that says to me that you know, I mean, the US do uh, their women's football really well. The structure is really good, in the way they bring players through. So, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, uh, I'm really excited to see what she does with the team. I think it's uh, it's a really good appointment and a really progressive appointment by New Zealand football as well. So, looking forward to what we see from the football ferns in these two games.
3: Yeah, they're 23rd in the world at the moment. The football ferns, in terms of their ranking, Canada are actually uh, number six after their fine performance. Uh, the other thing in women's football too, Ricardo, a uh, lot closer to home is the launch of the A League Women's competition. Uh, some signings already for the Phoenix. I've been reading about uh, that'll surely it's got to help uh, with the, uh, I guess the profile of women's football, but also um, looking forward to, to the depth at a higher level at the football fans. Surely.
5: Yeah, totally, totally, certainly, and I think that's you know that's really that's what's really exciting here. I mean. You mentioned the football firms that are going to be playing Canada. I mean, that's a football firms team that is not going to have anybody out of the A-League in it due to, you know, COVID restrictions. Uh, And we can still put a a very strong squad together. No Abby Usyk either because of what's going on at North Carolina Courage at the moment. But it is still a really deep squad. And then you look at the players that are playing either for the Phoenix or for other clubs in the A-League women's competition. I mean, you've got Rebecca Stott, Hannah Wilkinson, Claudia Bunge, Paige Satchel, Malia Steinmetz they're all playing at other clubs in the A-League women's competition as well, plus the uh, women that have been signed by Gemma Lewis for the Phoenix. So, I mean, you look at it, you've got that football firm squad over in Canada at the moment. You could probably put together a pretty competitive football firm squad out of the A-League women's competition at the moment as well. And I don't think we've ever had that kind of depth in the women's game. Um, So that is great. And, you know, the other good thing was, you know, we talk about uh, Yipke Klinkova, being, being uh, a great appointment with well, Gemma Lewis is a great appointment for a, uh, a local football point of view as well you know you can, she and Natalie uh, who are number two have done a great job with the under 20s in the football friends development program they've been given an opportunity at a pro uh, in a pro environment which is fantastic and you look at some of the players that they're signing you know we're talking about women who have played for New Zealand at age group level who have been successful at you know the under 17 World Cup for women under 20 World Cup for women they've had their They've had good games, they've they've, uh, played really well and got us further than we've gotten before in those competitions. So I think there's a really strong wave of young talent coming through, both in the men's and women's game, but particularly for the women. They haven't had this pathway before, and now they do. Uh, So I think, you know, come 2023, Yetka Klimkova's going to have some big decisions to make because she's probably going to be in charge of a team Uh, That has more options than any other football fans coach before has had.
3: Ricardo, would you, uh, could we stomach, could we tolerate, is there a window enough for uh, a Football World Cup every two years? I mean, I've heard that being mooted.
5: I don't think so, Smithy, no. Um, And and as a football fan, I don't want it to be. You know, Um, it'd be like giving a kid Christmas every week. You know what I mean? It's. you know the the novelty wears off, and 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 it it becomes, uh, you know, sort of something that's pretty pedestrian. Um, uh, football World Cups are special, uh, and the international calendar needs managing. I mean, the players at the moment are playing too much football as it is, so to do this every second year, I don't think is achievable. Um, it's FIFA looking at things and going, you know, I think every year that there's a World Cup on, they make. Uh, you know, an extra couple of billion dollars to what they make when there's not a World Cup on. So you can see why they want to do it, but I don't think it's for the good of the game. It's certainly not for the good of the players. And I see that there is movement at the moment in Europe, where there's um, up to 16 European nations are talking about leaving FIFA if they push it through as part of the uh, their opposition to it.
3: Wow. Okay. So uh, that is that is interesting. We'll keep our, uh, our finger running over the top of that one. Uh, Show tonight, mate. Um, What have you got lined up?
5: I'm not on tonight, Smitty. Today's uh, Thursday, Friday, my day's off. But uh, we've got got McIver and Murph on tonight on race control. And then after them, uh, if you're a a motorsport fan, but after them, it's also the global game out of Australia, if you're a football fan. Simon Hill presents that. That's uh, that's always a good listen, too.
3: Okay, so uh, we'll hear you back on Airwaves when?
5: I will be back uh, with Daniel McCarty on Saturday for the uh, Saturday session, and then uh, I'm actually yep. filling in for uh, the hyphen Louis Herman Watt on breakfast on Monday with Izzy. So uh, the hyphen's got a long weekend. Uh, I don't know how he's doing that, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the trenches uh, with, with
3: Izzy on Monday. Well, and they are trenches too. They are. So dress <laughs> dress accordingly. Dress accordingly. No, don't I will. don't wear your best. Don't don't wear your best black t-shirt. That's what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs>
5: But I've got a couple to choose from. I'll, I'll, I'll find one that's,
3: that's maybe a little more faded than the rest. Yeah, a couple of thousand, I reckon. Okay, hey, thanks, Ricardo, for your input this morning. Uh, <laughs> as always, great to, to hear your knowledge and the update on football around the world. Cheers, buddy. All the best.
5: No, no worries. worry.
3: It's getting really any time, bud. Yeah, cheers. Okay, so uh, 11.17 here on SENZ. Don't forget, uh, if you want to text us, there's uh, plenty of opportunities still. We've got a little window coming up now that and after 11.32, uh, you can win the temper Pillow with 299 bucks uh, just for the text this week. But overall, for the month, uh, temper Queen Package, including a temper Queen mattress, the adjustable base, and the two temper Pillows valued at a whopping, I mean a whopping $10,000. Biggest prize we've uh, given away. Uh, it, to be honest, it, it's just absolutely startling. So, and you'll sleep brilliantly as a result of it, so... Get them coming in, and uh, we're judging them on a daily basis. Uh, we will take a short break when we come back. Love to hear from you more, uh, and then of course at eleven thirty, you know what time it will be.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Get
0: NASA on the phone. He is in another orbit. Lazarus does it again. SCNZ is pacing for purpose.
1: Thanks
7: to Harness
3: Racing New Zealand. I love that call. I love that call. Getting Nasser on the phone, he is in a different orbit. Brilliant. Uh, that was, uh, of course, from uh, Cup Week in Christchurch, which uh, this time going ahead won't have any fans there at this stage, and uh, that is really sad indeed. However, uh, it will happen, the racing will happen, and it's happening uh, tonight as well, We're our Pacing for Purpose bet, Is going around now remember every show uh, on SENZ has $50 to place on a harness race Uh, ours is uh, uh, going to a charity uh, of women's refuge very worthwhile charity of course and our bet tonight um, comes uh, in race number I'm just looking at it now race number nine uh, and that is uh, enjoy me race nine enjoy me which is uh, number 14 and uh, number 14 at this stage is paying $2.90 fixed. That's at Addington tonight. And that race time to go uh, at 8.36pm. So uh, there you go. Uh, That's the
2: text. Smithy, can I just jump in there? I just always need your help. I love watching our horses. We've had a couple of wins. We came second last week. Uh, Just the comment on Enjoy Me. Uh, Good stand start effort. 150 CT trials. Top second here on the 7th of October. Danger if she steps. Uh, Can you break that down for me? Yeah,
3: well, okay, so it's a standing start, which always makes you nervous, and that's not the one, that John, where they follow the the machine around with the arms that come out, and they're they're actually pacing when they start. A standing start is when they uh, have their handicaps, basically their distances from the front horses. They put uh, like a a string across or a wire across, release it, and then the horses start from a standing start, and that is always very, very risky indeed. Um, But um, some handle it well, some don't. Uh, And uh, it looks like uh, if Enjoy Me steps, uh, there's a question mark there. So you've made me nervous too, all of a sudden. (laughs) Sorry, mate. (laughs) Basically. (coughs) Excuse me, I just uh, coughed as well. Right, let's have a look at some of these things Uh, uh, this morning. Jordan, good morning, Smithy. Just be grateful that USA did not uh, take rugby seriously all those years ago with their resources and American football athletes. They could be world class. Things could change once the MLR gets going. It's a game I can see them doing well in but probably not my lifetime. Uh, there's been some great feedback between uh, two of our texters this morning, Richard and Zane. Zane's come back. Uh, he served first, uh, and then he, he got some uh, reply, a, a backhand reply from, from Richard. And then he's coming again, Zane, and said, look, great to get some feedback from Richard. So he's appreciating it himself. I understand where he's coming from, but look at the last two World Cups, 2015, our top team picked itself. Uh, we all knew who was going to play. We knew who the captain was, especially in key areas. Then uh, look at 2019. We had much less consistency in our starting lineup. Look what happened there. I paid 100, 650 bucks, Richard to experience a result against England firsthand. What do you make of that, John? What do you make of that?
2: Yeah, I feel that too. I was also there uh, in the semi-final. Yeah, and had Bowden Barrett at fullback. We had Ben Smith not even in our twenty-three. We had Sam Kane on the bench with Dane Coles. This the whole selection policy for that World Cup. I think. Yeah, I think Steve Hansen got too clever. Um, I think we kept it simple in twenty fifteen. I'm with Zane. I like a settled lineup, especially in the key positions like around loose forward they work in a combination don't they they each have a role and they each perform it and you only know those roles once you do it over and over again with the guys beside you so i want to settle loose forward and i want to settle midfield smithy i think it's another place where you really need to be settled so a settled captain settled loose forwards settle midfield please for the next world cup i'm with zane
3: okay and uh quite clearly yeah uh, it didn't worry zane too much uh, having a little bit of uh, opposition to his thoughts today because uh, he just informs me that he shot a very respectable 73 off the blue tees at Paraparan Beach. Man, that is some golf. Uh, Zane, you are an all rounder, my friend. How uh, about this from Anthony? Hey, Smithy, you were talking earlier about the meaning of the All Black captaincy being diluted. I think uh, for a lot of this current crop of All Blacks, the jersey itself means less and it's all about the money. That'd be interesting actually to, to find out if that was actually the truth. The morning show, we're talking uh, to the head of South Canterbury Rugby here, and he was begging for the Silver Lake deal to go ahead. The jersey really meant something. Rob Nickel and the Players Association would let that deal go ahead. Also, they'd offer the Premier players to take a pay cut to support grassroots. I'm sure they'll cope. I earn less than a quarter of what a lot of the All Blacks do, and I have a perfectly happy life, Anthony. If, uh, you are in, um, if you're earning uh, a quarter of what some of the top-line All Blacks uh, getting my friend, you will be leading a, a pretty good life. Uh, so, John, great. Uh, we just stumbled onto, every now and then you stumble onto a topic that people are really passionate about, and quite clearly, um, the all-black captaincy and, and the jersey. Yeah. is, is interesting. It's always uh, good, indeed, isn't Charlie it? Charlie D's come in Yeah, it is always good. Charlie D's come in and said, uh, interesting chat with Ricardo regarding Newcastle United. Uh, interesting to hear that the FBI and the CIA uh, are adamant about Khashoggi being murdered. Remember, the, was, he, was he a journalist, Khashoggi? Yep, yep he was. Uh, anyway, yeah, he was a journalist, that's right. Murdered by Saudi Arabia who wouldn't believe um, two such reputable organisations or reputable organisations responsible for insurgency and terrorism in their own right, the name in the USA, uh, Haway the Lads. Haway the Lads. Cheers, Charlie D. Uh, there was a issue about that too, John, wasn't it? About them taking ownership. Uh, And it had to be, like all ownership, it has to be approved by the FA. Uh, But this one was a a pretty curly one.
2: Yeah, like uh, it reminds me of like when you put money into a trust so you don't get taxed. So it's like, you know, that kind of... Uh, f- hiding your funds uh, so you don't get um, massively taxed. It's almost like, yeah, the Saudi Arabia obviously are behind the deal, but they put it behind uh, a legal entity that can own Newcastle United. So it gets passed, so everyone knows where the money's coming from, but legally it stands up and it's pretty solid. So dodgy dealings in football, uh, nothing new there, is there, Smithy? I mean, it's been riddled with it no. for years. And Saudi Arabia are really getting into sport, aren't they? It's, it's a little bit worrying. Well, you wonder how much they actually paid to
3: have the World Cup there in Qatar in conditions which are going to be oppressive. Uh, very, very tough indeed, but uh, on, on, honestly, it wasn't about the venue. It was about the, bu- the bickies. We all know that, um, and they've got it. They've got it, man. They have got it in clover. Uh, 11.30. Uh, speaking of bickies, we can offer you 50 bucks worth of bickies from the TAB if you are good enough to stump me. Uh, John Day will be uh, the quiz master as usual. And um, that's coming up very shortly after Trudy. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class
7: at his job.
2: Yep, some Sleep Drops, a daytime revive and 50 bucks from the TAB up for grabs if you are the lucky winner. And of course, Sleep Drops are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. And Scott from Wellington has made it through first. Uh, well, Scott, it's been a while, mate. Or is this your first time? I can't remember. Uh, second time. Second time. And how did you go first time around? Uh,
1: I did collect the $50, but um, I actually
4: did follow one of Smithy's multis and it didn't come through, <laughs> uh, through. So I'm more hopeful this time, if it does come through, that I can uh, I can get something
2: out of it. Nice. Very good. Well, Smithy, um, I think you, you had maybe a, a, a patch about a week or two ago where the multis weren't coming through. But since then, and before then, you've actually been doing all right.
3: Nah, my return on investment overall was pretty poor, uh, to be fair, John. I'm very, very disappointed uh, in my current form on it, actually, and I, I'm not even that confident because I, I go baseball and win the playoffs. It's a it's a Bob each way, really, it's a bit of a gamble, but I've gone to the Dodgers today at a forty three. So uh, if I was you, uh, I would be thinking I'd trust my own instincts
2: <laughs> if you win the fifty bucks. So
3: very best luck to you. <laughs> yeah. Very best of luck.
2: And Scott, what I've learned is man, Wellington are a tough team to back in the NPC, aren't they? Ah, They are, they are Yeah, yeah. but maybe they've turned a corner Anyway, uh, your three sports today You know, you choose one, then I ask you three questions Get them right, you win, get one wrong, Smithy can stump you But your three questions today, rugby union Cricket and basketball Which one do you like?
4: I'm
2: going to take Smithy on at cricket, because I think If if I can beat him at that, then I deserve the 50 bucks I like that, I like that Great attitude (laughs) But jeez, he's tough to beat In his own game but let's give it a go alright question number one recently retired Sri Lankan Lasith Malinga held the record for the most T20 international wickets that was until Monday who now tops the list oh,
5: it's um uh, is it Rashid from Bangladesh
2: Rashid is from Afghanistan I think Afghanistan do you want to have a, maybe another little little go because you got the country right. Oh. I the name of... oh. Am I going to have to bring in Richie Beno? Uh, uh,
4: no, it's gone. I can't think of his
7: name. One of
2: the worst things I have ever
4: seen
3: done on a cricket field.
2: Well, Smithy, he's charged out of the crease and he's not even trying to put his bat back in. you got a stumping opportunity here.
3: Yeah, I think I have, and I think I've got the answer. And I think this guy actually had some time out for bad behaviour as well. Um, so, I'm gonna go
2: Shakib al Hassan. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Got him, gone. Stumped Ian Smith. Scott, that's how you were dismissed today?
3: No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks Billy. Thanks, thanks, Scott. See you next time. Thanks. Keep Good bringing. stuff.
2: Alright, Barry from Pukekohe, which is very close to Pokino where someone is $42 million richer. Do you go to Countdown, Barry, and get your lotto tickets?
1: <laughs> I do a lot of work down Pokeno Way, but I've ne- I wasn't there yesterday or oh. any time this week, so...
2: Bugger, Sorry, Bugger. So not your shout today. So you need this 50 bucks and <laughs> the sleep drops. All right, how's your cricket knowledge? Oh, yeah. oh, it's average at the best. OK, all right. Well, we'll give it a crack. A couple of questions, you get them right, and you'll take the 50 bucks and the sleep drops. All right, question number two. Which New Zealand bowler has taken the most T20-ish international wickets?
5: um,
4: I'll go Trent Bolt. One of the worst things I have
3: ever seen done on a cricket field.
2: Not correct. Smithy, do you know which black cap has the most T20 international wickets?
3: Well, I knew it couldn't be Trent Bolt, because actually Trent Bolt came into T20 cricket quite late. Uh, he, he had to and uh, prove that he was a white ball bowler at one point, but his mate might have been around for quite some time and uh, he may way right, well be right up there and I could be, uh, I could be completely and utterly wrong, but I'll, I'll go as opening bowling mate, Tim Southey. Just a couple of chips down the wicket,
7: right
2: in the slot, and away it goes. <laughs> Sorry Barry, Smithy was right again, Back. it's two stumpings in a row, oh, Tim good. Southey, 99, hat-trick. T20 wickets, Smithy on a hat-trick, unlucky Barry, give it another go another day.
1: Well do
2: mate, Thank- Alright, and down to our third contestant and third question, Smithy on a hat-trick, I think we've had one hat-trick before, very rare, but it could be in for another one, and we've got a victim that we love too, Smithy, it's Elliot from Auckland, who's been dismissed several times, how are you Elliot? bloody good now that I'm on third in line and you've got a crack uh, but will you be a victim does your brother sometimes come on as well because uh, I think he throws some shade at you in your performances yeah old Steve-O gave Smilly a run for his money (laughs) the brothers, excellent there's been a lot of good brothers in cricket but maybe you two should work on your trivia a little bit more but let's go, last question for all the chocolates Who holds the record for the highest individual score in T20 international cricket? Chris Gale? One of the worst
4: things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
2: The universe boss. No, it is not Chris Gale. He does not have the highest score in international T20 cricket. Smithy for the hat-trick and to deny Elliott once again... But this is a guess,
3: an absolute guess, but the guy who used to do unbelievably outrageous things when T20 cricket was first mooted and was Shaheed Afridi from Pakistan. So I'm going to go Shaheed Afridi, who is capable of scoring anything, any
2: time.
1: everywhere, body nowhere, ah. and uh, the rest of him on the way back to the pavilion.
2: Not correct, Smithy. Uh, not correct It is Aaron Finch with 172 runs against Zimbabwe in uh, a T20 which is a massive score so well done to you Elliot uh, you, you didn't get the question right but you do get the tw- uh, 50 bucks from the TAB, well done to you but I'm going to hold on to the sweet sleep drops because they only go to people who get the question right oh that sucks <laughs> yeah, yeah well I've that been told I'm
3: with, with you Elliot here's Look, the thing Elliot, it's, how many times has Elliot had to grow, you finally oh, get so success, finally get success You give them the 50 bucks and then hold back on the sleep drops. Yeah, come on, sleep drops are for winners, mate. They're they're for winners.
2: And uh, I only want people to try them if you actually get a uh, a correct question. So try again in the future and try sleepdrops.co.nz. You can buy your own. They're for everyone. Uh, Take us directed, Sleep Drops Auckland. So enjoy your 50 bucks, but I'm being a hard taskmaster here, Elliot. No sleep drops for you. I'm going to
7: lose some sleep without
2: them. Yeah. Elliot, I'd say that he's not a hard taskmaster. He's been a pain
3: in the proverbial, to be honest. But stay on the line. Brian will get your details. It's it's 11.40 here on SENZ. And Richard, Richard has come back at Zane. Here we go. I agree. But just explaining, Zane, the reasons why there is not stability at the moment. In the World Cup year, there should be definitely stability. You said you'd lost passion because of the instability. Just enjoy the occasion when the ABs entertain our senses. It doesn't always matter who is in the jersey. More texts after the break, um, and uh, then, of course, uh, we'll be chatting to Staffy before midday.
2: Sport in New Zealand. Out here, Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Well, John, um, there's been a couple of texts come in on uh, the quiz, actually, on the Stump Smithy quiz. Um, Jordan has come in and said, Chris Gale scored. 175 for RCB versus the Warriors. And uh, Stephen has come back in and said, Smithy, Chris Gale is correct. 175 not out, Uh, Finch. uh, 175 not out, not Finch. Stephen, I'll take the 50 bucks. John, have you a reply for that? I
2: do have a reply, Smithy, because I'm always concerned uh, when the quiz comes into disrepute, when there's some people thinking that maybe I'm cheating or getting it wrong. But I did say, I listened to it back, I said, T20 International Cricket. So not franchise cricket, this is playing for your country the highest score in T20 international cricket history, which is Aaron Finch. And interesting, um, Smithy, just on another subject, having John Wright earlier on the show worried about our death bowling, Cole Jamison, brilliant Test bowler, uh, very good one-day bowler, but what's happening with Kyle Jamison and T20 cricket? Didn't get a great go in the IPL and uh, these warm-up games too. Not taking wickets, uh, bowling at the death, I think against Aussie, and I think it got an unlucky edge for four. But still had 13 runs to play with, and we lost with two balls to spare. So, Kyle Jamison, is he an automatic selection in your starting eleven for the Black Caps for the T20 World Cup?
3: No, he's not, uh, and it's not because he's not doing the job, and he's not getting um, he's not getting the results that they require from him. He just been, hasn't been able to hit those areas in T20 cricket, which stopped batsmen hitting big numbers. And that's simply what he has to do. And this is an interesting one in itself, John, because remember what he went for in the IPL auction? How much? He was at $3 million or something? 6 or, oh, pretty close to that in New Zealand dollars. Of which he got the lot uh, because he was always available. And the IPL did come to its uh, natural conclusion in the end. So he got the lot. And in the end, he was carrying the drinks for Royal Challengers Bangalore. So what kind of investment in the end? I mean, I'm happy for the kid. But it's one that Mike Hesson, uh, I'm sure, might be rowing now. Uh, and uh, he was just on the spot at the right time and can't command a place in any um, T20 side that he plays on at this point, barring perhaps Auckland. So, yeah, very interesting point there. Further texts uh, have come in. Uh, and speaking of football in the World Cup in Qatar, I wonder if the WOKE... Gareth Southgate, of course, uh, manager of England, and his knee-taking football team, will pull out of the World Cup and protest for the many lives lost in building all the stadiums in Qatar. A uh, fairly uh, informed one there from Mike and something with a bit of substance behind that as well. Uh, Smithy, is it a coincidence that Manu's form slump has coincided with Ronaldo's arrival at the club? Just a thought, something that perhaps we can ask uh, Ricardo next time round, or maybe you, uh, Greg, would, uh, from Bris Vegas, would like to get hold of him at some point, and thanks for listening to us over there, hope things are going well uh, maybe you could call into his show at night uh, and ask him about that personally, because certainly um, he doesn't seem to, uh, after an initial blast when he scored on a debut and a couple of others, doesn't seem to be making the impact, but uh, and as one of those players, I, I guess you, every time you've got the ball around him, you want to find him, because he's your money man and does that affect the game's James Patton at all for, uh, <coughs> for Manchester United. I, I would suspect it is because he demands that kind of thing. Uh, I'm interested in uh, cricketing news that James Pattinson, uh, John, has re- decided to retire. Uh, James Pattinson, a very fast bowler, uh, of course, Australian fast bowler. He took uh, 81 wickets from just 21 tests at an average of 26.33, which is highly, highly respectable. But he's stepping away from the international team to focus on family and continue playing for a state team. And he's one of those, uh, and there's a lot of them, when you have a a great era of fast bowlers, there's always one or two on the outside who are very, very good, who don't just kind of get the opportunities. And he falls firmly into that category. James Pattons would make a lot of cricket teams around the world, international cricket teams, because he's a damn fine bowler. But just when you've got Stark, when you've got Hazelwood, when you've got Cummins floating around the scene, and then you've got Nathan Lyon... The Fab Four Australia possessed are going into these ashes. Uh, Barring injury, you're not going to get a go.
2: Well, is there going to be an, it's a five-test series, Smithy? So behind those three, mm. like those three are fantastic, mm. and then you have a, a bowling all-rounder, don't you? But if one of them does go down, I mean, this leaves a bit of a hole because you could always turn to a James Pattinson, couldn't you? Um, now where do they turn? You've got a, quite a few guys, I'd say, who are untested at test level, so they would be hoping that their main three get through those five tests because behind James Pattinson... I'm not sure whether there's uh, too much over there in Australia. There'll be someone, but no one of that um, ilk of taking that many wickets at that kind of average in Test cricket.
3: No, that's true. Uh, but he'll have chatted with Cricket Australia. It wouldn't be a, de- a decision. I'm sure he spoke with Justin Langer, spoke with the selectors and spoke with the powers that be and they've come to a conclusion otherwise I think that allured him to stay and just said, look, you know, you're our fourth man. You're our, f- uh, And if, if we need you, you'll be the first guy we call, but Obviously not, and he is he's out of it. So uh, an interesting uh, reply, to coming in about Ronaldo, John. Because we've been so busy this morning, I wasn't able to watch it like uh, Ricardo. Uh, but Ronaldo scored the winner today. They beat uh, Atalanta 3-2 in a three-goal comeback in the second half. And Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, scored the winner today. So thank you very much for that information. Uh, it's 11.51 here on SENZ. Uh, when we return, it's time to check in with Mark Stafford for the afternoon show.